Welcome to day four of IM Talks 2018 Kona Super Specials. Rightio team, welcome along to day four of IM Talks. 2018 Kona Super Specials. If you listen to the end of the show, there's a blooper at the end. <laughs> I do swear. <laughs> I do swear. And there's a reason why, because someone was disrespectful when I was doing hard work. <laughs> but anyway, guys, uh, I am Talks Kona Super Specials Day 4. It's the day before the race. Pretty exciting day. We're going to talk a lot about the race in today's show. But before we do, John, who are the sponsors? Endurance Sports Travel. The today... We have a talk with Ken Glar. We do. Yep. Not yesterday, today. Not yesterday. We, also, we have... Uh, Lava Java. Actually, we're going to go. Is it lunch today? When are we going? To? I think we're going for dinner tonight. Dinner yeah, tonight. Yeah. Okay, good times with Lava Java. Uh, great food. If you're ever in Kona, you just basically spend every day at Lava we, Java. We could even do both. See, that's how we roll. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer, uh, a great supplement to help you get rid of your lactic when you're out there racing. And our patrons. And these are the people who have actually got us to Kona. If you want to become a patron of IM Talk, go to imtalk.me and it's very obvious on the page. Uh, Jombo, in today's show we've got a couple interviews coming up. Uh, who have we got for interviews? We've got Liz Blatchford who's doing her last Ironman. I'm not sure, I don't think she, I think it's her last race full stop potentially. Uh, also, Emma Pallant. That's a well, nice Lisa's a pro, it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Emma Pallant. Uh, good to catch up with her because we've never spoken to her before from Team BMC. And she's got some interesting insight. She's a former runner and now becoming a very good triathlete. And she could be, you know, a, a, an outside chance. Not for the win, but for maybe a top five uh, very fast runner. I also quickly caught up with Michael Lovato when we were hovering around the pro press conference so try to give you guys a bit of insight on what it's like uh, he's one of the commentators on the Ironman coverage on Facebook and then we've got some age groupers to wrap it all up what's Finn's stats? Finn's stats I've got some stats he sent us through a bunch of stats so you had a chat with Finn the other day he's a big tall fella from Dubai oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I do know yep uh, I interviewed him. Yep, so yep. He, he sent through a bunch of stats, as did Peter Colson, so I thought we'd have a quick look at some of those. So we'll do those at the end of the show, but let's use this time to talk about the race, John. It's, it's the day before the race, it's kind of things are, it's kind of the calm before the storm starts today, it's mm-hmm. getting a little bit quieter. How many people are out swimming this morning? A lot less yeah. uh, than usual, and they, I think they kind of discourage, they don't discourage it, but they don't have the bag drop or anything yeah. like that, because they're setting up the transition area, so it's all uh, still pretty active, still a lot of people, but the highlight for me was I went out for a swim, did a um, nearly 3Ks, and got to swim with dolphins and a turtle. Oh, really? Yep, so I was swimming along, saw a couple of boats near, and I thought, that's the dolphins will be over there, swam over, and all of a sudden, boom, straight in front of me, straight in front of my face. Oh, that's pretty cool. Hey, um, let's, before we get into it, we'll talk about last night so last night we were very lucky to go along and join scott and erin at their tables for the it's still called a carbolo party uh it's a welcome dinner a welcome dinner is it okay mm. still lots of carbs here yes yeah, lots. <laughs> definitely lots of carbs here uh so it, it was um basically kind of what they do every year but they did do a lot more of the 40 years so kind of if you've done an ironman you kind of know what happens before the ironman it was pretty traditional on that front but there was they did go back to a lot of the old stories and um in some ways if you you know like it's a lot of the stories we know but it's also what kind of created where we are right now your thoughts on the night john oh it's all good um by and large you know we've been as you said we've been to those a number of times before uh i do come away from it going you know it is the church of iron man uh and also, it, 
it's sometimes painted that it's going to be a wonderful day, it's going to be beautiful, everything's going to be happy and smiley and, and so on. It's like, you're going to be out there, you're going to be pissing on yourself, you're going to be potentially <laughs> vomiting on yourself, <laughs> potentially going to the porta potty. It's That's not, why you don't get to speak to John. John goes up, hey guys, you're going to be pissing on yourself, you're going to be spilling on yourself. It's not all uh, you know, fun and roses. Supporters don't hug your partner at the end. But they, they do a good job. You know, it could quite easily turn into a very boring night, but they had a nice mix of entertainment. That for the guy, they had a guy doing the uh, the fire dancer. He was awesome. Oh, and and the Hawaiian host. He was mm. a great host. Mm. Yeah, well, I actually thought they like like I know you're a bit more of a cynic, and you you, you kind of don't have as much we've tolerance. Got another cynic in the room if you really <laughs> want to go there. <laughs> Right, <laughs> Mahinda Houston. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think the thing, you know, for us who have been in the game for a long time, we've seen this many times. And I think one of the things they're trying to get right is how do you still make it a really exciting experience for the first timer? Mm-hmm. And then how do you kind of still deliver on the front for the more experienced person? And I, and I think actually they get it pretty right. Yeah. And they did a really good job because when I did the uh, Hawaii Ironman in 2004, I think it was, Greg Welsh was a Hall of Famer then. He did a mm-hmm. speech on the night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it was a long speech. He went for like 20 minutes and it was, he was great, but it was a bit inside baseball, you know, so it was mm-hmm. a lot for his family and friends. And so it was a bit tedious for if you didn't really know much about Welsh at the time. Um, whereas nowadays they have the awards ceremony the night before mm. but they still acknowledged him in a really cool way didn't they it was it was great yeah so it was nice being up in the VIP area a little bit closer to the action than back in the uh, back in the common class we did feel pretty <laughs> important we did indeed so but it was also it was pretty special being with Scott and Aaron mm. uh you know, and, and pretty cool time in their life. They've been very important to the sport. So, Aaron Baker, 100, what was it, 122 races, 103 wins. It was something like that, yeah. Pretty staggering. And Scott's record is amazing Well, Scott as well. was almost 50% wins as well. They said mm. 250 races and about 120, maybe 110 wins or something. Mm. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Okay, uh, so let's look ahead to tomorrow, John. Let's talk about the day. Yes, yeah, so if we, talk, if we have a quick look back at uh, last year, you know, there's one person who I have not heard his name mentioned anywhere uh, this entire week, and that's the third place getter from last year, oh, yeah, uh, David, David McNamee. It's funny you say that, because when they brought us at the end of the thing last night, when they showed the top three of last year, yeah. you're thinking, no one's talking about him. And he was also, the year before, I'm pretty sure, this is just working off memory, he had the second fastest run, uh, run split did, there. Yeah. yeah. So, if, and he's good, good, he'll be a good swimmer because he's a former ITU guy. If he can lift his game a little bit on the bike, I'm not saying he's going to win it, but it could be in the mix again. And he's probably the one male that has not been talked about I at w- all. I wonder how he feels about that. Like, some people are like, I don't care. Well, he just doesn't have the profile. He doesn't, doesn't seem to race that much. Uh, yeah, top three, but. Yeah. Uh, to not even be talked about and let's be honest he's a bit like say a Freddie Van Laird you know yeah. um, just a workhorse does yeah. his job does his job you don't see him around too much the other thing is you don't hear much about Langer this week in the conversations mm-hmm. you yeah, know what I mean it's like, all very much Keenlay Gomez Sanders Sanders you know like Langer is the champion and you know last year wasn't just a fluke the year before he had a great run as well because mm-hmm. he was second the year before wasn't he a third, I think it was. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So, um, you know, like it's just fascinating 
people just don't seem to give him much respect. It'll be interesting if he wins this year. It's a different story, but it'll be yeah. really interesting, interesting to see. So looking at last year, last year we had 10th place Boris Stein in 8.22. 9th place was Ben Hoffman. 8th place Patrick Nilsson, who you heard from yesterday. 7th place uh, Andy Potts. 6th was Terenzo Bozzoni. 5th uh, place was James Carnamath. 4th was Sebastian Keenlay. 3rd, David McNamee. 2nd, Lionel Sanders. And Patrick Langer took the win by... About two, nearly two and a half minutes, and then it was another three minutes back to David McNamee. So he ran 2:45 last year. Uh, nobody else broke 2:40, other than uh, uh, nobody else broke 2:50, other than Patrick Langer. So if you can run a you know mid 2:40, mid 2:40, it's back in the mix again. It's, yeah. Okay. So last year, what, last year's race. I didn't actually watch last year's. I was working. Um, what were the highlights from last year's men's race? Uh, just that the, 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 the bikers came through and really mixed it up and uh, and put people under a lot of pressure. And obviously the big story was, was Frodo. Was, yeah. uh, he was he was coming off the bike, you think Frodo's got this, and then he obviously had his injuries. So, um, but the, look, two of the most beautiful things you see over here, that I've ever seen over here, is Patrick Langer running and also Marinda Carfrey running. They're both the only people really that I've ever thought, holy shit, they are, they're running proper yeah. running there's a bit where they showed it on the video last night where he passed passing Sanders Sanders was screwed but when he passed to Keenley yes and Keenley was still looking like he was running okay and it was yeah. just it was like Speedy Gonzalez just passing somebody wasn't it it was indeed uh. Females last year, we had 10th place Jocelyn McCauley, 9th place Annabelle Luxford, 8th Elizabeth Lyles, uh, 7th Carrie Lester, 6th Susie Cheatham, 5th Kaiser Sarley, 4th Heather Jackson, 3rd Sarah Crowley, 2nd Lucy Charles, and Daniela Reef was in 1st place by 9 minutes. So very tight from 2nd you know, place back, you know, there was only a couple of minutes between Lucy Charles and Sarah Crowley, and another minute back to Heather Jackson, and then a couple of minutes back to Kaiser Sarley, then there was a, a big a gap back to Susie Cheatham in sixth place. I don't even know if she's racing. She hasn't been mentioned at all, but she's a very consistent performer. So, yep, it was a girls' race from last year. It uh, was any, a, any good stories, or was it just do, 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 domination? Uh, well, Lucy Charles was a big story. You know, on you know Daniela Reef crushed it. A lot of people expected that, but Lucy Charles was the one who really stood up and uh, it had an amazing race. And then the battle for third was was pretty intense as well. The only thing I was just going back to last night when they're doing, they kind of showed kind of the dominant players of the sport. You know, mm -hmm. they did a clip at the end there, and they had Chrissy was kind of the last person I think they went into, and and I just wish Chrissy had played a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. You know, we should be too old now, but there was that transition period where Chrissy would have been probably the Pigou games. Mm. Daniela was probably young, up and you know the upstart. Mm. It would have been awesome to see them go head to head. The thing that Chrissy's going to have over over all athletes. Forever, she was never defeated. Yeah, and so Daniela Reef may well establish a better record than her in Kona if she carries on. She's still got plenty of years in the bank if she wants it, but she's always going to have a defeat. I, I, don't, I think she might have been beaten somewhere else, maybe before, but certainly the first time she came here, she was second. Uh, but you know, if she wins a couple more titles, she's been as dominant as Chrissy. And she's got a lot. She could even get up to Paula's numbers. Mm. She's got enough time, you mm. know, like she really could. And based on her dominance. Uh, okay, so then uh, what's next, John? What, what do you want to talk about next? Might as well do our <coughs> picks and uh, see what's what's going down there. So we, we asked people on Facebook what their picks were going to be and your top three plus also your sort of uh, dark horse who not necessarily going to get on the podium but maybe into the top five. 
So I wouldn't say I'm uh, setting the world on fire in terms of my female picks. I'm going Daniela Reef and Lucy Charles, which is no great surprise. I think probably you know 75% of the people out there will have the same sort of pick. Uh, in that order? I would have thought so. Uh, and then I've got Anne Haug in third place on debut. Uh, but you may not see much of her uh, because she's a she'll be an okay swimmer, probably come out second pack females but then whether or not she can keep up on bikes another story but she will be running through the field if she has a good good day and uh, tearing it to pieces and could match uh, Miranda Carfrey so I haven't got Carfrey in my top three just don't know if she's had enough time to get that uh, form back up and whether there's enough fire in the belly but could easily be proved wrong I am going to have her in my top three I'm going going same two front two Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going Rennie third because the thing about Rennie is Pedigree, history, in that run. Mm-hmm. And I still think she'll be able to run. You know what I mean? So I, I can't see her coming competitive for first or second. I reckon she'll have to go close to her best run to be in contention, like a low, a lowish 250 to, yeah. to, to have a good chance. And I do back her to do that. But, you know, like she's a bit of the unknown this year. And then my wild card on the female side uh, to get in the top five is Jocelyn McCauley. So she got 10th place last year. I don't recall hearing too much about her this year. So but I remember when she did Ironman New Zealand a couple of other races, she was just tearing it to pieces. So if she can put it together, um, putting her in my top five. What about, what about kind of top tenner? Random top ten, if you know what I mean. Random top ten. Well, the other one that I want to see do really well is uh, Kiwi, so I'll go for Teresa Adam. Uh, she, again, she performed amazingly at Ironman Cairns and Ironman New Zealand, and if she can you know, match that performance and put it out there uh, on the lava fields, then I think she's got a good chance. I'd also like to see Laura Siddell get up there as well. Yeah, good, good and, she, and, she, and she's had a really, really good kind of 18 months, so mm-hmm. but, you know, she's kind of proven that she knows how to deliver on a day, and that's, you know, there's a lot of athletes who have got the pedigree but can't actually get there, and I think a top 10 for her is really, really realistic this but, year. So You know, when I scroll down this female's field... It's awesome, isn't it? It's... You just, I could just about put any of them in the top 10. You yeah. know, there's probably maybe 5 to 10 towards the bottom, and you go, it's maybe a bit of a big ask, but the rest of them, you go, yep, you know, a good day, you're top 10. People like Jen Arndt, people like Beth McKenzie, Sarah Pampiano, she's been there before, Kirsty Yarn, um, Michelle Visterby, you know, is usually there or thereabouts. Um, as you said, Laura, Meredith Kessler, haven't talked about her, Lindsay Corbin. So, um, yeah. Solid field. Keep just just looking yourself. at the field, but thinking of, you know, like I was talking to Crow the other day and he was saying, you know, different players have different games they can play. When you look at it as a coach understanding the different athletes, how do you see it kind of playing out? Well, Lucy Charles said she wants to win, so I kind of think that Daniela Reef will ride up to her and uh, Lucy Charles will try to hang on for dear life and if she can hatch, if she can, she might blow, but she's, I think she'd rather go and give it a crack than, uh, than die wondering, whereas a lot of the others are going to be doing, doing their race, um, whereas I think she'll, she'll try to hang on to Daniela Reef. Do you think she'll try to stay away on the bike? Uh, yeah, well, uh, there'll be a couple of them coming out of the swim, and I think Teresa Adam uh, from New Zealand, she'll be probably third out. Uh, so you'll have uh, Lucy Charles and also Lauren Brandon, and they'll. Well, everybody talks about Lucy Charles. Lauren Brandon can match her in the swim, and they they did so last year. Yeah. So uh, and has Lauren on the bike? She just said she'll sit in for a little bit, but then she'll because last year she history. had basically four minutes on uh, Daniela coming out of the water. So. You know, she rode for it at the 7.3 championship, so she showed that she can ride for that long at that mm. level. Uh, you wouldn't think that she couldn't keep her away, but... They stayed away for a lot longer than people realised or anticipated last year, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the swim because you've got some former ITU athletes, you know, Sarah True coming through and Hallie Fredrickson. So, you know, that front pack might have a bit more pressure in it um, to, to sort of get away and actually get a bigger gap on the, the non-swimmers like Marinda Carfrey, Heather Jackson, etc. 
Mm, it's going to be pretty fascinating, isn't it? Okay, uh, boy side of things. Yes, yeah, going to be fascinating. See that, see that Melinda, just, just for the record. Boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what happens in the swim because, you know, sometimes we have that absolute gun swimmer who's off the front that really doesn't influence the race that much. But we've got a number of really good swimmers that, um, so a lot of people are talking about Josh Amberger um, leading out the swim, but then you're going to have Andy Potts up there. Uh, you'll have probably Starkowitz up there as well. Um, Gomez will be up there, whether or not he wants to take a turn at the front, but I'd say he's potentially the strongest swimmer in the whole field. Uh, so so what, how big do you reckon that front pack will be? I reckon, they'll. well, I hope there'll be sort of five to seven of them that actually get away you kind of the hope is you'd have a pack of five to seven that get away and then maybe a couple of packs of ten and then you have the bikers a bit further up the more split up it is the better the more interesting the race is going to be yeah isn't it? and then uh and then you'll have the bikers coming through and then everybody will try to jump on their wheel which is not dissimilar to how the age group race unfolds and then that you know that group that's coming through might just get bigger and bigger but um a lot of people will blow their races to pieces trying to keep up with with Keenlay, with um um, Cam Worth, etc., and th- then you have Starkwitz, will no doubt go straight to the front and try to lay the smack down uh, from from the get go. But, but what about um, Worth and Starkwitz? Because w- so who's well, the Starkwitz is going to be? He's going to he'll be towards the front out of the swim, so he'll be the early leader. Yep. Cam Worth is a weaker swimmer, so he's likely to be with with um, uh, Keenlay and and those guys. So Sanders. that's going to be really interesting to see where Worth, Keenlay and Sanders come out, whether they come out together or whether they've got to try to get their alliance going further further up the road. And also others like Joe Skipper, who's you know not quite in the same calibre as those guys on the bike, but um, probably will be around them in the swim. Mm, okay. So, yeah, so many different ways this race could go. You know, you've also got others that we've talked to uh, this w- about this week, like David McNamee. You know, Tim Don on on, um, on Torsen's ratings is ranked number six. Don't think that'll potentially uh, pan out that way. Um, but then you've got, yeah, Brent McMahon. There's so many guys on there. So, so what are your picks? My picks. I've got Keenlay in first. I haven't actually done second place here. So I've gone uh, Keenlay in first. And then I've got... Why? Uh, just because... He's a bit like with Rennie, he's got the experience here. Uh, it seems like he's been running well this year and uh, and he's got the bike. He's kind of got, looks like he's almost got the, the full package together. So I just think it's it's not his turn, but I think he's had enough seconds that I think there'll be a lot more fire in the belly uh, for him. I, I think of all the people who are most happy not have Frodo here, it's him. Quite possibly, yeah. you know what I mean. We, like, like you know, Sanders. The least way Sanders sells himself is that he was just like, oh, "I'm gutted that Frodo's not here because I want to beat the best on the day." Mm. Um, now, who knows if that's bravado or not? But I think as Alexander said to me the other day, you know, Sebastian's the one guy who has the dark cloud underneath Frodino. You know, mm-hmm. even when you interview Sebastian, you know, around a race, he's always kind of he feels like he's the little brother. Who's trying to beat his big brother? There was always time. that interview once. So I remember, that, uh, and he, won, I think he won, and he says, "Yeah, but Jan wasn't there." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And 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 then there's always this this underlying, "I'm I'm second best" in a way, and you kind of feel that from him in a way sometimes when you interview him. Yeah. Um, and so I reckon he was probably the most relieved person, and. And relieves the right word. I mean, he'd love to beat him. Oh, he would love to beat him, but I think he doesn't back himself to beat him. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the difference. When when he sees Frodo's not turning up, he's like, shit, I've actually got a chance of winning this. Mm. And there's, there, is, there seems to be a better confidence this year than when we were here last time when he was kind of like, you know, I'm just going to do my best and I'm going to play, you mm. know. Whereas this time he seems to be a bit more backing himself. So I definitely feel he's probably the one who is most pleased that Frodo hasn't turned up. So I'm going for Keenlay first. I'm going for Gomez in third place. And I'm going to have to pick my second on the fly. I'll do that in a second. And You're not backing Sanders? No, uh, I mean I would not be at all surprised, but yeah. he's, he's not in my picks. Why? Uh, just because I think he's just almost a bit too fired up, and he's just just it seems like he's just overanalyzing every single part of the race, every single competitor, and perhaps sometimes maybe not focusing on himself so much. Like he's obsessed with with beating Frodo and 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 measuring himself against all these others all the time, and I don't know. But again, wouldn't be at all surprised if he won. I reckon he might win next year, though. Uh, so that's my first and third. Bevan, you go yours, and I've got to pick my second place. <sighs> John, it's such a hard decision, isn't it? Like you look at names, you got Langer, who's no one's backing, and these guys really want to think. Uh, you got Keenley, Sanders, Nelson Gomez. I'm going to Patrick Nelson in second place, and my uh, wild card to get. You got Patrick Nelson in second place? Yes, Why? I am. Uh, he's just a, he's ranked number four on Torsten's ratings. He's he's had a lot of very fast races elsewhere, and last year I'm pretty sure when we interviewed him was his first Kona. So he's got a little bit of experience here now. He's a good Germany. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, he, he's going to be my second place, and my outside bet for the top five will be Cameron Worth. Wait, so what's your top five? A uh, top three. I've got um, Keenley, Keenley, Nelson. Nelson Gomez, and then uh, and my outside pick for the top five is Cam does, does Langer make the top five? Um, Poor Langer, man. Where's the yeah. Langer in this world? Well, look, if, if he runs 2.39 again, yeah, he's I think getting, yeah. he, he's going to be on the podium, of yeah. course. Uh, whether or not that's enough to win, I don't know. But if he, yeah, he's got to run 2.39, 2.40 again, I think, to be in, in the mix. And I'm it's, not backing him to do it. It's such a hard race to pick, isn't it? Because well, you, get, get off the fence. Well, I am, John. I'm getting off the fence right now. Um, I'm going to go Gomez. Okay. Yeah, it's a big call because I don't think he has the experience in this race, and often that's a downfall. Uh, but he is a legend, and I think the seventy point three world champs probably taught him a few thing or two, mm. you know, about you know this game. Although I know it's not Ironman, but I think he took a lot of lessons from Ken's and from the seventy point three. And it just all comes down to how good he does on the bike. It really does, doesn't it? You know, because we know he's going to be there in the swim. Um, he's going to be up front in the swim, which gives him a bit of a buffer in the first part of the bike. Uh, we are going to have the Uber bikers coming through. It depends when that happens. But, yeah, I don't know. I just a bit like Langer, I think he's going to need to run a course record or close to it to win yeah. it because I think he'll be... But know, he is capable, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so... No, I, I, I'm not that confident in my pick. <laughs> <laughs> You've only picked first. Yeah. Uh, I think Keenlay second. Mm-hmm. And then who third, John? Uh, yeah, go to Kiwis. Oh, yeah, Braden Curry. Mm. Okay, I'll go Braden Curry. Nice. Yep, yep. I think Brendan Curry has been underestimated this week outside of this, you know, our little world here. No, he's mm-hmm. kind of under the radar. The boy's, the boy's a fighter. The interesting thing about the fighters is, like, you look at Sanders and he's a fighter, but maybe that's one of the own worst enemy things. Mm-hmm. You know, that the control is the thing that sometimes the fighter needs to learn. Um, now, Sanders had some great results. Second last year was a great example of it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, th- yeah, so I'll go, what did I say? I said... Gomez, Keenlay, Curry, and then I'm going to go Langer, Sanders. Okay. If I get this right, I'm <laughs> retiring. Uh, my ran- your random in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> random in the top 10, uh, Matt Hansen. 
Matt Hansen. USA, USA, USA. They really want a winner, don't they? Yeah. And they never get a winner. <laughs> like, yeah. Every year the USA athletes gets, you know, that little bit of extra love in all the PR. Holy smokes. I've got a lot of age group participants and there's like 600 and something participants compared to the like 200 Germany, Germany for two, like 200 and Australia for 200. Hey, um, is Andy Potts actually racing? I assume so. Down. Okay, yep. Hoffman was a good hope, wasn't he? But he's not going to be there. Uh, so, wait, so that's your top 10 pick. I'm going to go Freddie Van Leard. He's okay. going to top 10. Freddie Van Leard's a lot taller than I thought. He looks really small on TV. He's quite tall. Yeah. 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 Uh, have you done your female picks? Yeah, I did my female picks, didn't, didn't I? I? Didn't, didn't I say, yeah, I went. Oh, you went car free as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. What about your 33rd? Oh, good call. Yeah, I know. I remember. I good remember. call. I hate doing this. One. Well, I I, kind of fun. Um... But I'm going to go, I've, I've, I've picked it once and got very close the second time. So the kiss of death is going to... <laughs> the kiss of death. The new thing, kiss of death. It's like the weather thing. What yeah. your, you, you, apparently when John leaves New Zealand, Belinda was telling me this before, the weather turns to shit. And if we look at factual evidence right now, it's true. Yes. So I'm going for Gilo Molinari from Italy. He's ranked 50th on Torsten's ratings, and I know that he raced recently as well, so I think he's got, got some tired legs. So you think, think he's, he's going to get 33rd? Yes. Oh, oh, the dropout rate in the pro race, there'll they'll only be 40-odd finishes if they're lucky. Okay. So I'm going to say Starkowitz. Are you? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Starkowitz. He's got to ride like a nice. legend, but we know he's going to blow up. Uh, okay. Anything else we want to talk about before we get into we the We have interviews, to come up with a females one for this because we do 33rd. Okay. No, but we go 33rd overall, so it could actually be one of the, with the top pros. That's what we could do one time. You know, you always pick a... I saw a, someone put a question through on our Facebook page saying, if Reef gets top 10 in males, does she get the money? Of course she doesn't. I <laughs> know, no, but it is a cheeky one, isn't it? Where's she, she where, where she going to finish overall? So what did you do last year, time-wise? Time-wise, last year, she pulled off a 8.48, and that would have got her... Oh, no, she was well off the pace. Yeah, but where was... So that was 8.48. Let, let, let me guess, let me guess. I'm going to say 8.48. I'm going to say that's about 19th. No, she, no, she was uh, 50, 53rd, 54th yeah. men, but there's yes. not a clear age group. Oh, okay. So she was actually well off. So I think she can do a lot better than that. Yeah, but not. She's not going to get top ten. No, no, <laughs> no. no. Top twenty. Ah, so top twenty. Last year she, she would need to be twenty minutes faster than last year. I don't think that's possible. She's not going to do an eight twenty. Mm, we won't see. Oh, you're dreaming, you son. <laughs> you're dreaming. dreaming. You're dreaming, mate. What's that? It's all the key. She's a key. legend. Yeah, the mighty ten head. Yeah. You're, you're dreaming. dreaming. You're dreaming. Uh, she's a legend. Don't get me wrong. And eight, like eight forty-eight is phenomenal in Hawaii for what's a female. The, what's the course record? It must be that, wouldn't it? I, th- I think it's eight fifty something. Okay, yeah. wait a second. Let me put you, you talk about something for a second. Okay, so what else we got uh, happening on today's show? A uh, few few stats for you. Let me just pull up. Are we going to do stats now? Are we? Oh, we might as well do it while you're looking at okay. uh, bits and pieces. So, um, good old Finn Swagger sent this through. Female side of uh, the participation participants. It is. 27, 28%, they got 649 compared to the males 1729, which is 73%, um, which is not great. It's done on a pro rata basis, as you guys know, from qualifying around the world. So let's hope that that participation rate of females starts to increase and, you know, 
at least get up to a third of the, the third of the field. The biggest uh, female age category is the 40 to 44. They've got 104 participants. Then it's the 45 to 49 with 85, and it's kind of a bit of a bit of a standard curve from there. You know, it sort of goes out uh, both sides. You've got 13 in the 70 to 74, 36 in the 20 to 24. On the men's side of racing, uh, the biggest age group is the 45 to 49. They've got 299, and then uh, 40 to 44 is 284 and then it kind of pans out from that we've got one male 85 to 89 and uh, two in the 84 80 to 84 16 in the 75 to 79 and 42 athletes in the 20 to 24 uh, 77 different nationalities USA have got about 25 percent so Finn loves the stats there you go uh, anything do you want to, Peter's ones in there as well are they I think we kind of mentioned a number of those yesterday. Okay. Uh, the real record was for the females was in 2016, Danielle Reef in 4.46. So she need to beat the world record by 20 minutes, John. 4.46. Sorry, 8.46, yeah. I thought you said she needed to... What does she need to do? She, I About 8.20, based on last year. Oh, based on last year. Yeah, she didn't Last year was a fast year, though, wasn't it? Last year, no, she went slower. She went eight. No, but the, men, the, the, the overall race. Yeah, the men's re- record was broken last year, so Langer did 8.01. Come on, Reef, kick some butt. I can't believe he's got the world record. No one's giving him love. Mm. You know, that's, that's unbelievable. John, one other thing, just based on last night, it's, it's, in some ways the Iron War has, has diminished Mark, sorry, Dave Scott's legendary. You know, mm-hmm. like everyone knows he's a legend. Mm. He took the record two and a half hours faster. Mm. That's, the, the progress he made... He set the standard. He really did, didn't he? Mm. You know, like, man, because when he started, it was very much just, a, you know, a few... And, you know, normally the first guy, you know, they get kicked out of the barrel pretty quickly. Yeah. But he actually progressed and took it to, to a real elite sport in a really mm. short period of time. Two and a half hours, over, you know, is time frame. Pretty impressive stuff. Um, okay, John, so we've got a few interviews coming up. We're going to put them in right now. Oh, actually, John, let's do a sponsor. Let's do the meditation. Huso. Huso. That's it. Righty-ho, we have Liz Blatchford, who's going to be answering some questions. I think she may have asked, answered a few times this week around having a child and all that sort of stuff, but we're going to hit it again. Yeah. Uh, so let's <laughs> welcome along to the show again. You've been a bit of a regular. Um, firstly, I want to talk about a couple of races you did this year. You had uh, Subic Bay. Am I right? Was it fourth overall? I mean, I know you were first female, but was it fourth overall? In Philippines? Yes. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Sorry. Oh, it um, pr- very to impressive. be fair, there was, I think, only a, there was a small pro pro field. Yeah. So I. Hey, hey take it. Take it. <laughs> it was maybe yeah, maybe fourth yeah. I'll and, take it. <laughs> and Mont Tremblant, um, did that race go according to plan? Like it was bizarre watching. I, I watched it on and off, and coming off the bike, you saw Meredith Kessler going off like a bloody startled rabbit. And I was thinking, holy <laughs> crap, she is back in a big way. And there was also, I think, it was Lauren Brandon, and then, and then, then the feed cut out, and then it came back, and you were leading. I was like, how did that so how did that took us through that race? Um, that race went so much better than I could have ever ever planned. Mm. Um, I had such a horrendous prep for that race, and um, knowing that I'm re- I'm retiring after this race, and I just really wanted to make Kona this year, so that was the last race, the last qualifier, and you know I'd planned to go, but. Um, the months leading in just went so so terribly, but I also knew there was nothing to lose. You know, mm. for me, it was one last chance, and so I started the race not even knowing whether I'd be able to finish it, and 
raced fairly conservatively and especially on the run I ran out the first 21k conservatively and and then I sort of got given some splits and I was like I'm actually not that far behind I, I should have a dig here so I had a dig and I caught Lauren and sort of thought Meredith was gone like you said she ran yeah. out so fast um but I think she you know cooked herself even and when I passed Lauren in second I could see Meredith like mm. within a minute up the road and I was like oh man I've got to go for this mm. despite having only run four runs in the last two months yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go for this I'm gonna go for it um and I dug deep and yeah just managed to hang on and you talk about how this is your last race, which is, is an interesting kind of moment, isn't it? How does it, how does your focus shift in this last period of time? Because obviously, as a younger athlete, it was all about being the old uber athlete. Uh, when you know you're coming into your last year of racing and there's a defined moment, where's the focus? Um, the focus has been a lot on my daughter. Um, so she's 16 months old now. So this whole year since having her has been, you know, just a massive juggling act of you know trying to get some training in some consistency and you know be a decent mother and so to be honest a lot goes by the wayside all those small details that like you said for the rest of my career you know focus on being the best that you can be and all the small details um I kind of just did not have the time for that stuff and just managed to race off experience and you know what my body's been doing for years gone past um and and go okay but it's also tough lining up um, in a field like this, knowing uh, most of the other women are, you know, 100% into this, and I'm not that I'm not 100% into it. Where like when I'm racing, I am, and when I'm training, I am. But the rest of my time is is not. Um, and so that's been part of my decision for retiring. Um, but I've also been doing it a really long time, and I'm I'm just ready for something else. So just when you had your daughter, how long did you actually have off training, like properly off training, and how long did it take you to get back to a good level of fitness? Um, I didn't train too much through my pregnancy. I wasn't able to run past 20 weeks. Um, but I exercised maybe an hour a day when I was pregnant. And then afterwards, I had a cesarean birth, which means a bit more downtime than, than a natural. Well, I mean, depending, you know, it's just yeah. all so different for every woman. But um, yeah, having a cesarean meant, um, I think I was on the, on the trainer at six weeks and in the pool not long after that. And then we ran around 12 weeks. But um, yeah, really, it wasn't my focus. I, at that point, wasn't even 100% sure I wanted to go back to racing. It was more about just, you know, getting back to a normal, you know, exercising after this long is my normal. So um, it was just about, you know, feeling good and moving again. And I think at around sort of, um, yeah, three, four months, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I do. I, you know, I was watching some of the racing, you know, online and was like, yeah, I think I do want to have another crack. So. You know, we've got a lot of female listeners and, and obviously pregnancy is a part of a lot of athletes' experiences. What are some of the tips that you would advise around managing that time in a healthy way? Um, uh, you know, look, at the time I thought I, I was doing things conservatively and keeping things balanced, but I still ended up with a lot of injuries um, and one of them being a sacral stress fracture. So that's one thing that I learned um, through that like extended time off running and then breastfeeding. I, my bones weakened. So then when I got back to running and I wasn't even, you know, doing crazy volumes, I was, you know, maybe running 50 to 60 kilometres a week with some intensity, um, ended up getting a sacral stress fracture. And when we looked further into it, my bone density had really dropped. So that's one thing I've learned. And um, when I announced that on my social media, I had a few other people sort of write and comment that they too, after breastfeeding, had, um, had different stress fractures. So, yeah, that's definitely one thing I would say, is just really be careful of your body and and not just your bones, it's, um, you know, being pregnant and giving birth is such a, 
such a way to wreck your body <laughs> um, in ways that you you know you don't even realise are happening. So there's that, but also um, as far as getting back to training and racing and trying to lose weight and that sort of thing, I think you know you've got all the time in the world for that. But those first sort of, I mean, the first sort of six to months to a year with your um, your new baby is so special, and um, and that's why it has been my priority. And you know I haven't thrown myself too much into training um so yeah just to embrace that and yeah how hard was it to make a decision of when to have the baby say that again how hard was it to make a decision about when to have the baby oh um yeah really hard and i i've left it you know to a bit later in life i was 37 when i had my daughter um you know which yeah i definitely focused on triathlon for a long time there and um you know made it later than a lot of women do um but I always knew I wanted kids and I think you sort of start to have those, you know, you've got to do it soon, you're getting older. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it was tricky and I, I pushed it back probably a few more years than than a lot of women would. Uh, so, what you know, you said you, you know, you've got a different focus for this race compared to some of the other females. What's your, what's your objective for the day? You know, in the past I'm sure it was to, to win or to be on the podium. Do you have that same objective or, or what are you looking for on, on Saturday? Um, to be honest, I think um, if I realistically look at my my last few years, because I think you can't really just talk about your last month of training coming into an Ironman. Um, my last few years um, and the inconsistency, I don't feel I can honestly say that I'm up there for the win or mm. probably even for a podium. So if I think about where I'm at and you know where my training's at, I would say a top 10 would be a, a great, a good day for me and something I'd be really happy to walk away with. Mm. Um, but I also think it's achievable. I think, um, given my experience and all you know, the years past, you know, your body doesn't forget that. And if I've learned anything this year, it's I've you know gone into some races so underdone and still managed to have decent, you know, decent results. Um, so yeah, I'm aiming for a top ten and just a performance that I'm proud of and you know can finish up with that. You know, feel like I've had a good decent day. Uh, you know, sometimes when life changes, we it can teach us lessons that we wish we knew earlier in the piece uh, you know this last period has obviously been a change in life for you what are some of the lessons you've learned that maybe you wish you knew earlier in your athletic career um, I, yeah I suppose this year has been such a learning curve of um, m- you know managing to race quite well off a lot less training and I you know I've suffered a lot of injuries throughout my whole career we all do we're triathletes you know we're all nuts <laughs> but um, you know I really just wish that a lot of the times when I was younger I'd you know taken a step back and you know maybe would have prevented or minimalized a lot of the injuries I did have so I, I think we all overtrain. <laughs> um, that's one thing I think I've learned yeah at this point you know at, at the point of retirement I've learned that <laughs> okay. um, when, we had a couple of questions from some of our listeners what goes through your mind when it starts getting really tough out there on the run you know how do you how do you get through the tough times uh, you know, I've got some like deep strategies where, you know, I think about my family and uh, my daughter even that, you know, I've spent this time away from her training and, you know, I'm, so I need to make the most of this and don't quit, you know, make it count. Um, and then I also have some really like shallow stuff where I'm like, okay, next aid station, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? And um, that might be, oh, I'm going to have some Coke, I'm going to have some gummy bears, you know, yeah. like whatever it is, it's a distraction technique for me and, um you know, if you asked me at a different point in the race, I'd probably have a different answer. So. Do you listen to music when you train? And if so, what's the top three on your playlist? 
Oh, um, Pinyao. I've been listening to a bit of them. Uh, sorry, Pinyao. P-N-A-U. Yeah, look them up. They're good. Um, Major Laser. They're good for training too. Um, and then I don't mind a bit of sort of old school. So, or I don't know, a bit of some punk rock of some sort. Yeah, I don't know. I've got a, I've got a weird playlist. Yeah. <laughs> and final question. We, we've. It's a random question. It's a random. Perhaps not the most professional question, but when when you get drunk, if you get drunk, what sort of a drunk are you? Are you happy? We had a very. We were having a discussion about last night because we were talking as friends. What's it like when you get drunk? And then we thought we should ask the pros. What are they like when they're drunk? So Liz, what are you like? Oh my god, I'm the life of the party. I'm a legend in my eyes, (laughs) but I'm probably just like slurring my speech and like just all over everybody, just thinking I'm just the greatest thing ever. But no, I'm definitely a happy drunk. Maybe take quite a few selfies. <laughs> oh, don't get put on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't remember the next day, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, uh, yeah, I don't do it that often anymore, no. but um, I'll be looking forward to that on Sunday night. <laughs> awesome, you have a great race. Thank Thanks you. for your time. Thanks. Okay, we're at the BMC media launch, and first on the chopping board is Emma Pallant. Welcome the chopping board? Sh- yeah. Pack it up. <laughs> yes. Emma Pallant. Welcome along to the show. Um, Tell us a little bit. I want, I'm really keen to know about your background. You know, track runner, um, but I don't yep. know what distance you did, uh, and I know you got to sort of Olympic level. But tell us a bit about your running background before we get into try stuff. Yeah, so I started as a little kid, kind of doing um, athletics at the club. So that was everything. Like I'd, I'd just bung in for everything, high jump, whatever. Um, but then um, soon found out that I liked the longer the better. So um, as a kid, that was kind of like a miler. Um, and I did loads of cross country um, and 1500 meter as a junior was kind of my thing um, and then stepped up to uh, 2012 was um, I was doing the Olympic trials for the 5k mm-hmm. um, so a little bit longer um, but yeah more middle distance I'd say. And I, I did read that you, you got the qualifying standard for 5k but did you actually make it to the Olympics? Yeah no so um, in back two years earlier um, I had a bad knee injury um, and I had surgery on it, and to be honest, it was just a roller coaster kind of stop start two years of uh, I'd have some good results, like I won the European cross country, and then um, I'd be injured for ages again, like my knee, knee just kept flaring up. Um, and so, um, yeah, the Charles race, that was kind of the, the last straw for me. Um, I dropped out, I, I made it to the start line, my knee was in bits, I took every ibuprofen under the sun and just thought, okay, I'll just get through this race. Um, and I was running around and yeah, it was just pure pain and not in a good way, I couldn't even push my body because I just was limping on this one leg and, and dropped out and that's where, yeah, it how, ended. How, how did you process that? You know, like, obviously the Olympics is such a dream for your athletes. Yeah. To not get there, what was it like for you at the time? Yeah, I think I think it had been such a, like Beijing was exciting. Like I nearly made Beijing for a good reason. I wasn't injured. Um, I It was a race between me and my best friend at the World Juniors. They picked two senior women and uh, we were fighting for a spot. They said, if, if one of you gets a medal, uh, we both got a medal. She got first, I got oh. third. So, um, but then I still was, I was part of it. Like I was her training partner. I got to experience it in a different way, but I thought, yeah, this is what I want. This is just preparing me for four years time. Um, and that was that was easier to t- like that setback was more like a launch forward like I felt motivated by it um, but with my knee it was just uh, constant setbacks in a bad way like I, I never I just felt like I wasn't getting to the end of anything I I wanted to do more mileage I, and every time I pushed the, the barriers like um, I wasn't pushing my body in a good way because it was always breaking down 
Um, so yeah, cross training started to come into play a lot, and that's how triathlon began. Um, what sort of life, you know, the, the standard you were at in athletics, good high standard, were you able to make a living out of it at that level? I know that, you know, East African, you know, the big, it seems like very top heavy, but what's it like when you're, you're at the level that you were at? Yeah, definitely. It was, um, I was lucky enough to be um, sponsored by Nike. Um, so, uh, yeah, I could. Uh, I actually tried to go full-time as an athlete for, I think I lasted about two weeks. Um, but <laughs> I thought you were going to say two years. <laughs> no, I just um, mentally. That was the aim. <laughs> that was the goal. Um, just because, um, yeah, mentally, like, like financially I could do it. But um, mentally, I kind of, uh, I just needed that stimulation of, uh, I was training as a physio, I qualified as a physio, um, and yeah, I wanted that when I'm not training, like it's totally different to triathlon. When you're a runner and you're full time, you've got maximum two sessions in a day. And mm. what's that space in between? Like I was in a house of boys that would go on their Game Boy back then or Xbox mm. or whatever. And um, yeah, I just got a little bit bored. Mm. Uh, so the transition into where you are now, you know, I know initially you were doing duathlons and smoking it. You've had some really good 70.3s. So you've done only one Ironman. I know you've started two, but what's uh, do you have you sort of gravitated naturally towards the long, or do you like the half, or are you sort of just trying along to see where you where you fit? What's what's your sort of progression been like? Yeah, I think um, naturally as one of the weaker swimmers, um, I think uh, long term I, I see myself more as an Ironman athlete. Um, I always say much prefer the training for it. I love being able to work the bike a bit more um, and less time in the pool. That kind of suits me. Um, and I just love the run volume. Um, mm. So the training for it, uh, I much more enjoy. Um, and again, this big Kona dream, like even being here, it's, it's, it just seems way more massive than anything I've done before. Like even a world track and field is, is you're in a stadium and it's so like intense, but it's not like this is one big festival, I, I feel like, um, and yeah, Ironman for sure, this, that's the ultimate goal. But um, You say you like the running, the volume of running an Ironman, and so how did you transition from being like a total runner into triathlon, and, and what's been your progression forward? Yeah, so um, I had to totally relearn how to run, um, which was really handy actually having the swim and bike, because my running went backwards for a bit. So mm, changing my technique, um, I, I had to stop running with my quads, um, which as a runner, I'd, I'd never been taught. And everyone was like, oh, you've got a lovely loping stride. Um, whereas, yeah, I came to triathlon and my, my new coach, Michelle Dillon, she was like, you run shockingly. Like, I hate your style. No wonder your knees are like in pieces. Um, so that was kind of having the patience to take that back, reduced like the speed and totally changed my technique. Um, and then the push was like on the swim and bike, so I was hammering that. Um, and I think pacing and nutrition, I still am terrible at it. And um, I think that's the major difference between um, doing the sh shorter kind of running races. Um, I used to think the girls that brought food with them on a bike ride, I thought, man, they're so greedy. Like, <laughs> can you not just go out and we're in a training session and why have you got a picnic? But yeah, I, I now know that, and I'm good at it now in training, I can do it. Um, but in a race, I just sometimes get that red cloud and I, I don't want to slow down for an aid station or I don't want to grab something on the bike. So um, yeah, that and learning to not hurt till the last 10K. Yeah. Um, that's a whole new, I want to be out of transition, I want to feel that like burn and push and yeah I've learned like that's that's not the way forward. Well it's interesting when you look at your trajectory because you, you know you, the racing you were doing as a runner is very short and intense and 
this is a very long kind of slow boom with a bit of a peak at the end. So mentally, what are the, some of the kind of skills mentally you've needed to develop in yourself to be a good triathlete, a long course at least? Yeah, I think um, the mental game is is a real different one. I, I think, um, like again, with that, that track race, you, you can go for it and hurt from the start. I was never one that liked the tactical races. I, I liked it as a time trial. I liked to lead it out and push it. Um, and uh, here, I think, again, you can kind of, it's more about your own pacing and you can do that. You can get the most out of yourself and um, you know at the end it's going to be that feeling of like you can't reach that that utter emptiness, that utter like d dark place. Like nothing's like crossing that line after an Ironman. Like I've only done it once in Austria, but the feeling I felt like I was spent. Like I've never felt like that as a runner that I have nothing left. And um, I think that's more satisfying than anything. Um, but like you say, it's that patience of when can you get to that point. And, and I think the more experience you get, the more you can get to that darker place a little bit earlier and hang on. But you need to know the timing of, yeah, I got to that dark place way too early in Austria. Uh, <laughs> so, um, how, how, I mean, we've got the Ironman live coverage, the Ironman Facebook now, which is great. So we get to see more people like yourself on, on the screen. And we okay. see your name coming up in results a lot, but we don't really see how your race unfolds. Is it normally a case for you of being a long way back in the swim and you're solo for a lot of the day or how do your race in terms of maybe 70.3s how do they normally pan out yeah so um we've really recently changed kind of my strategy a little bit um so to begin with um i was coming out maybe a second group in the swim and then just picking girls names that okay i know that they're experienced they're they're a good biker someone like heather vertel like just follow her pace um, and, and girls that I've raced that I know okay they're strong bikers I've just got to go with it um, and letting them dictate the pace a bit more um, whereas because I never used to train with watts I've never like used power before um, and then now we're like okay now we want to start taking ownership of the bike you more want to be that person pushing the pace we want to get to know what I can and can't um, work to in terms of watts um, so yeah, I want to be a little bit more active on the bike next year. That's that's kind of going to be the winter goal. Mm. Um, but yeah, normally it's been kind of coming back, um, coming out with maybe a few strong bikers, trying to just go with the pace, um, and then yeah, just having whatever I have on the run. Um, but I've really. I just keep on going off too fast on the run. Um, mm. Every time I say I'm not going to, uh, and I never look at my watch. So, oh, so do you think that's a problem? Like, wh why does it keep happening? Yeah, I think um, just because I, I I don't I don't do it in training anymore. So we have changed training to negative split. So if I'm going out for a two and a half hour run, uh, I'll run with my watch, and I know that whatever I do in the first 75 minutes, I have to be in the second. Otherwise, to me, like it's a wasted session. Um, so I've been putting that pressure on, and um, it works in training. I feel great, and then I think I just get excited in a race, and and I just think. Um, yeah, again, maybe from the background of I'm used to when I'm in a race and I'm running, I'm used to it hurting from, from the start um, and, yeah, not feeling comfortable for, for any of it. So, um, yeah, I think I think more experience and just learning to control and, and be patient and, and watching more races like Liz. I don't know if you saw yeah, yeah. when she ran through, she was in third and she's just all day held on to her pace she's staying calm relaxed um, and she's an experienced athlete she's she's um, yeah so learning from things like that
Have you still got the, like you said you had a lot of injuries as a runner, has that carried through to triathlon? Are you battling injuries or have you had a pretty good run? Yeah, no, I've been really lucky. I kind of, um, so they called me Little Miss Bump as a runner. Um, yeah. I used to run into lampposts and got hit by a few cars. Again, I just get in that zone um, and that carries across. I got hit by a few cars. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> not the same people. Um, that carried on into, uh, into triathlon a little bit. Like um, I've had, again, nutrition. Um, I did... Back in December in Lanzarote, um, I did a hard treadmill session and I thought I'd go straight out onto the bike and it was meant to be a steady ride and then I was climbing a hill and I felt great and I pushed it um, and then at the top started to descend and um, yeah, I hadn't drunk or eaten enough and fainted um, and that's when I separated my shoulder. So I'd already broken my clavicle um, and I didn't have it pinned. So um, that's been the one thing we've had to manage a bit in terms of doing less swimming. So I find 4K is like my max. If I go over 4K in a session, like I can feel it starting to, it swells up a bit. And um, yeah, so it's, it's learning that kind of thing. Um, but rehab went really well for that. And, and other than my like silly things, I, I've been pretty injury free. So what are your expectations for the weekend? You've only done one Ironman. Um, you've got plenty of experience, 70 point, well, you know, reasonable amount of 70.3 yeah. experience. So what are your sort of objectives for the weekend? Yeah, I think um, mainly to nail my pacing and nutrition. Uh, and that sounds like really soft goals, like mm. I'm not being, but I feel like if I focus on that process goal that, that I can be more competitive in, like I can look at 30 names in there and think, wow, these are amazingly strong women. Um, and yeah, I think if, if, the, if I focus on my two real weaknesses um, and again I'm putting the pressure on myself just in the way that I'm telling everyone this because yeah. then if I go out and be stupid at the weekend I've <laughs> totally yeah. gone against it so yeah that's my expectation. We, we have a random question we're asking pros this week. Actually oh. this is the first pro we've you, asked You are the question. first pro. We're, we're, talking, uh -oh. we're having a discussion last night just as friends and we're kind of saying what kind of drunk are you and we're all discussing what kind of drunk we are and we thought we're going to ask the pros uh -huh. so what kind of drunk are you? <laughs> Well, do you know what? I haven't drunk for like six months. I've been so into like so my athlete, season. I like it. Yes. Yeah. So I'm first of all a very quick drunk. Okay. Um, I was thinking. I haven't checked the rules, but I was thinking in my last aid station, uh, I, I run fast when I'm drunk. So we used to have this <laughs> this uh, night out in Guildford, and I lived in Farnham, and that was it's probably about 20k away. And one day we ran, I'd say a, probably about 18k of it in bare feet home, just because nice. I was numbed a numb drunk. So. Yeah. My theory was, and it was good pacing, like I had an awesome run. Um, so I thought maybe if I got on the gin and tonic, like with the last 5k to go, um, I'd be a fast runner junk. Right. right, there we go. We've got a good answer. Uh, yeah. Have, <laughs> Have a great race of the weekend. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, we're uh, starting up day, what is it, day three now? It's a hard life in Hawaii, isn't it, John? It is. You know, you get up and the sun's shining. And uh, we're down here at Endurance Sports Travel uh, across the road from the pier. There's people out there swimming, done the underpants run, and uh, a lot of the endurance sports athletes having their breakfast. And we've got Ken Glar here. Welcome along to show, Ken. Good to be here. Always good to be in Kona. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, what's the week look like for you? How long, how long do you early do you come out here in terms of uh, looking after your your athletes and your, your crew? What, what's your sort of schedule uh, over here? Well, we we come out soon after seventy point three worlds, and I get my you know mandatory ten days of training or whatever for this race, <laughs> and, and then and then the athletes start to trickle in. So you know we we this year we have a. Uh, one of the challenged athletes, um, and she came in early on the 27th of September, mm -hmm. and then uh, and then a few days after she arrived, some others came in. So uh, generally, we have people 
as much as you know, ten to uh, twelve to fourteen days before. Mm-hmm. But our main group starts arriving uh, ten days before. When you think about what you do, what's really important is you know what do you want your customers to kind of walk away from the experience with endurance sports at a travel? Uh, just you know, feeling like everything went smoothly on site. You know, like they and their families didn't have to worry about anything once once they landed. That's that's the whole idea. Mm-hmm. Just and what what do you do? Like um, in terms of the, if we talk about Kona specifically, what are sort of the things that you do with um, with with family members and you know the the entourage? Uh, today we're taking them over to Two Step, which is a, a snorkel spot about forty minutes away. Oh, really? uh, Keep it secret because you, know, you don't want to yeah. give away all your secrets. Yeah, I've, sure. I've never heard of this place. So yeah, so yeah, so yeah. It's, uh, so, yeah um, so we got that going on today. We'll probably take some people out to um, to a secret spot where there's <laughs> yeah. where there's lots of turtles. Yeah. Um, not a great spot for going into the water, but just standing on the beach, you can see tons of turtles. Uh, and then um, Sunday and Monday, both of those days, uh, we'll do uh, an around the island tour for cool. people that want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then um, also the um, we'll take people to what's it called again now seahorse farm out oh, at yeah. the energy lab which is really cool again don't know any of these places and these is, and I, i've been, been here 20 times haven't you prob- <laughs> yes yeah, getting up towards 20 times so and, but that's the thing isn't it is that with you guys it's not just the athlete it's the family isn't it and it's yeah. making sure the athlete has a stressless experience and the family has a great experience as an experience and kind of supporting their athlete yes and and we the other the other thing we do i, I forgot to mention it because it's something we do on a regular basis we drive out to hapuna every day um, until uh, Wednesday was our last day doing it. And so family can go out to the beach, which is one of the best beaches on the island, and then the athletes have a chance to break the course into three segments. Mm -hmm. So they can ride up to Javi and back to Hapuna. Uh, They can ride from town out to Hapuna and then get a ride back, or they can go out in the van to Hapuna and then ride from there back to town. Um, So, you know, The, the furthest that is, is uh, up to Javi and back is <clears throat> 44 miles. Mm. So you get to do the whole course without riding more than, you know, two and a half hours or yeah, so. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Awesome. So what, um, we, we always catch up with you in Kona. What's your, what's your sort of plan for the rest of the year in terms of the, the sort of key events uh, that you're sort of targeting this year? Uh, for me personally, uh, and the business, in uh, the terms business. Of the events you go Well, through. so, yeah, I mean, uh, for the rest of this year, I mean, we're already working hard on next year. The rest of this year, we just have uh, Florida, Arizona, and Cozumel, mm-hmm. uh, which are two on the same weekend and, mm-hmm. and one just two weeks before. So they're, they're real tight together each year. And then, um, and then starting off for next year, uh, the half in, in Chile, in Pucan, right. yep. and then down to Taupo mm-hmm. for, uh, for the half and the full on the same day there. Um, and, then, and then we have a bit of a break before stuff starts in the northern hemisphere, and we go Texas, Brazil, which is our main race, mm-hmm. uh, Austria, and then um, Ireland. Oh, sorry, Ireland, then Austria. So Ireland's a new one for yeah. us. So that's going to be fun. And so how many races do you do a year? Well, we, we've actually cut back now um, with the number of races out there, especially in North America and Europe, uh, the fulls and halves. People can tr- 
drive to so many races. Okay. So that there's a lot less people doing, you know, traveling, des- to, races, traveling yeah. to races um, because they can drive to so many mm-hmm. races. Mm-hmm. So we've actually the, the way our packages work it's it's kind of on a certain amount of volume because we could we could do a concierge type thing but that's what we do anyway Mm. but we do it at a lower price yeah because of the volume if if we had groups of only you know 10 or 12 athletes and 25 with family or something we'd have to charge a lot more Mm. um and really we can't add much more to our services you know so i mean you, you know so I like to get you know 50 or more people so that we can keep our prices low mm. and keep our services high. Yeah, so we've, we've cut back on the number of races to focus on fewer races and keep the numbers at a, at a good level. And the quality high as well. Yeah. Um, so if people want to check out what you're doing, where do they go and, and how do they go about getting involved with Endurance uh, Sports Just EnduranceSportsTravel.com and uh, or just email me at KenGlod, EnduranceSportsTravel.com. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Love your work, mate. All right, guys, um, you guys will be watching this on Sunday in New Zealand, Saturday in different parts of the world, and one of the men who I imagine is going to be uh, front and centre of the coverage you're watching is Michael Lovato. So we're at the Pro Press Conference, but the pros are all over the show, but he's here, so welcome along to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, tell us what it's like inside the, the booth doing the, the Facebook Live coverage, and, and I don't think people understand remotely how hard it must be to talk for eight to ten hours. You know, if I had to mention something that was difficult, I don't think it'd be the, the actual talking for that long. I, I, I must, I must have a weird gift. Uh, I think that I can, I can just, I can talk. So, the, the difficulty is is speaking about something relevant, interesting, keeping the content good. Um, which, which you know, I mentioned that just because you know you've heard some people that just they just blather on and on. But the difficult thing, I'll say, the hardest thing is, and I see this all over the world, people come to me and they ask me to, to do things or why didn't I do something? And they kind of have an idea that I've got like my finger on the control button and I can move the cameras. Sometimes they think we're withholding camera shots. And, and that, I think, if I had to express one thing, it's, it's just trust that we want to see the pictures as badly as you do and, and, our, and our production team wants to share them, but sometimes technically we lose them. So that's the challenge. What, what, so what information are you getting fed, fed during the day? Is it basically you're looking at the tracker and the pictures and that's it? Or do you have a production team behind giving you information? How does it sort of work in the, in, inside the, the booth? Every, every race is different, to be honest. We, we did this year, I think I've done 10 races from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, and, um, and we have a really good spotter network. So we have a really good on-the-ground local team that's on WhatsApp, passing the information, sharing information. The, the, we will utilize the Ironman tracker. The app is fantastic. And so we, we were on that, and that's useful. Then we have, um, we do have, as I said, a good research team that can bring us information if we need it, but, but primarily Matt, Greg, Didi, Rachel, and I, we do all of the, we, we bring as much info as we can, we research the names, we have resources in front of us to, to do a quick search, the oh, the oh no moments I, I don't recognize, or so we do all of that, and then, yeah, I mean, we're a lot, yeah, we're just kind of learning as we go and seeing those same pictures as you. What's some of the, the other feedback you get from listeners, uh, not listeners, uh, the audience, both positive and negative, that maybe you want to explain a little bit more? You did a little bit of that, but, but anything else you just want to try to give people a bit of a reality check? Yeah, I, you know, mostly it's just, it's, I think the, the key thing is, is we are just like you in that we want to see the race. We want to see first, second, third, 10th, 20th. We want to see everyone. We want to watch the action. We want more than just the front of the race. Uh, we want to 
never drop the feed. We want we want Facebook or we want the cell service connection to never drop. People don't realize that a lot of these pictures, you know, if you're in a remote area, uh, Nice was a great example. We had a 50K of, of, of section that just doesn't have cell service and the picture won't get back to us. So we want it as badly as you do and, to, and understand that if we could snap our fingers and, and never lose that and have everything you want, we would. And, and I think it's getting better at a lot of the races. Kona, they've really done a good job this year adding cameras. Uh, we have six motorbikes and two helicopters. And so we're going to really try and push it around the race as much as possible. I noticed that in a press release that ASO uh, doing the, I don't know what you call it, the, the, the camera work. Right. Is that different? And, and what, they do Tour de France for people who don't know that and all the big cycling races. So what are they bringing to the table? Yeah, good man. You know your stuff. And in the in the past, for or the past 22 years, it's been produced by a different team and the folks that have done the NBC broadcast, the Texas crew, and they've done fantastic work. And and this year, you know, something new, trying to change and broaden and grow. And they brought ASO in, and they are in charge of. So we share resources, the live broadcast that we shoot out to uh, NBC Universal, to Facebook, and Ironman.com. Everywhere we produce it from will be shared uh, camera work with the NBC show that they're producing the the broadcast people are familiar with that airs in november so they're i'm excited i don't know i've met the producer i've met the team and i think they're fantastic they have massive knowledge in the world of endurance sports uh, our executive producer has has produced paralympics and sailing all kinds of events around the world so i trust their ability to bring uh technically speaking bring us a great show fantastic i think you guys are doing a great job the facebook live coverage has been great i love it how you you explain the course as you're going through because sometimes i'm watching i'm going and then you come in, you say, this is Kauai, this is what we expect to happen here, et cetera. So you're doing a great job. Good work. Thank you so much. And you know what? I also am one to take constructive criticism. You know, if someone shoots a mean comment, I just ignore it. But if, but we are, I certainly am 100% about it. And, and especially now on Facebook, the cool thing is it really is a two-way street. So if you want to talk to me and say, you're mine, say it. Because I read as much as I can during the show. And I think that's fantastic. I don't mind you telling me I could do a better job. Fantastic. Good luck for tomorrow, uh, Saturday. Thank you so much. Name and where you're from? Uh, Stephen Newman from Sydney. Stephen Newman. He was, he was, because he's got such a fantastic second name, Newman, he was uh, racked next to me in Kona, because it was Alpha, not in Kona, in, in Rote la, uh, last year. So Newman and Newsom, we were racked together. Mm, yeah, very Meant close. Meant to be. Meant to be. I think he got out of the water before me, <laughs> slightly. <laughs> you, 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 I, mean, I interviewed you after the race of Rote, didn't I? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. And how was your Rote race? I can't remember. So, how was your road race? Oh, right. Uh, the swim was uh, like swimming in soup in fresh water. Uh, the bike was uh, a good day, good good bike. It was like, I don't know, just 510 maybe, 505 bike. I mean, probably 505 bike. And then I think I ran 330, 329, 328, something like that. And that's a good day for you? Uh, it should have been quicker, right? But uh, I went to the tour before the race and uh, spent a lot of time on Dusseldorf <laughs> and way too many beers, man. <laughs> way too many beers. Not a wise taper. No, man. it wasn't good. What's your What's your nine to five and your sort of set up back at home? What do you do for a job, etc.? Um, I'm a commercial manager. Uh, work uh, every day. Yeah. Commercial as in what? As in uh, so large infrastructure projects. Okay. So on a uh, multi like a multi billion dollar project. Uh, it's a big tunnel called the M5. Oh wow. Yeah, so have you got I, that big machine? Yeah, there's they're the road headers. Yeah, there's it's 16 of them underground. They work and cut, and then I do all the contracts for all of the project. So wow. it's it's, uh, it's a it's a decent decent role, and it takes a bit of time. Um, you don't want to get it wrong, do you? Say again. You don't want to get it wrong, do you? No, no you don't want to get it wrong. No. You tunnel to nowhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it's 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 a good role, and um, yeah, I enjoy the job. Uh, 
but it takes a lot, it, it takes a lot of time. That's I, all. I was speaking to you earlier today, and you're talking about how you kind of mismanage your life a little bit earlier this year by overloading yourself. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's six uh, that's six months I think from Christmas through to my qualification race in uh, in May uh, was probably the hardest six months I think I've had in a very very long time. And why? Uh, I normally can balance things pretty well, and I have to with this. And you know, I have the two hours in the morning. Uh, I don't do anything at night, and I've got the weekends to deal with, uh, Saturday and Sunday, and uh, kids' soccer, 10, 10 o'clock, you know, I'm there, and I get up at 4 and ride my bike for 6 hours and get to his soccer match. Uh, when they added on uh, a Juris Doctor on top of that at Sydney Uni, so uh, committed to doing that, started in December and went through, and I was doing exams, you know, and then basically hopping in the car and getting to the race and... and two days later and trying to mentally switch off and switch on is very difficult and it was two nights a week at uni for like for the six till nine for two nights a week and study on the weekend so the Juris Doctor is like a like an undergrad or postgraduate law degree so it's full on I uh, had to pull out in the second semester uh, just too much mate it was just it was killing me uh, family life and committed to, to that as well as the training to get to Kona as well as that uh, yeah way too much so when you have got it go- dialed in well with life, um, how do you how do you make it all work? You know, you said two hours in the morning, do you have family time in the evening. How how do you sort of make it work so it is sustainable for you? Yeah, so um, I had to give away. I, I used to do a bit of night um, training as well, like a swim or something. I had to give that away uh, because it's important to you know be home. I think uh, at, at night time. So I have two hours in the morning from uh, 5 till 7.30 and then normally take my son to the bus uh, for his school. That two hours will be either a Zwift set or a, um, a little light run or a 10k run or something. And I have one day during the week where I get a three hour window and that's my long run. So I'll run to work and my work 16k from home. So I either run to work or I run home. Um, so to get those 16k's run, midweek long running would be like a 30k run, three hours. And then I normally run home one of those days um, and Zwift twice a week. That's the week done. Uh, that's all it is. Uh, swim when I can. Uh, I don't swim a lot, and you can mm. see from my swim, it's not very yeah. good. But you know, it's a couple of minutes, right? And uh, you just got to focus on what you can get done. Uh, Saturday, very early starts, four o'clock, four thirties. Uh, finish ten to eleven, and then usually I get one or two uh, days where I can go a bit longer. Um, but I also try to find in the build-up, in the 12-week build, around week six to eight, I know a four-week window or a camp or something like that where I can disappear for four or five days and just get on it, you know, ride my bike, big Ks for four days, just gentle, but climb some big hills or do some good effort, you know. So what's, what would your advice be to, you know, you probably see lots of people that are on the verge of qualifying or want to qualify and they've still maybe got to lose... I don't know, half an hour, 20 minutes. What, what, um, what's your advice to those sort of people in terms of trying to, to step up? Um, a lot of it comes down to having uh, uh, the legs and the ability to ride your bike uh, a very long way. Like 180Ks is a long way. Uh, solid, on a solid effort, but have the ability to run off that bike. So that bike's got to take nothing out of you. So if you're thinking, sitting there thinking, geez, 180Ks is a long way, well, you've got to ride, go and ride 320K. I mean that's it's 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 like that. You need to that needs to be like breakfast. 180k needs to be feel like it's just having breakfast, because you need to get off that bike and have the ability to run. Not 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 fast, but just at a decent clip, uh, consistently and hold good form that entire way. Just just 
you, you obviously lead a pretty demanding life in many areas. How do you manage fatigue? Yeah, fatigue. Um, I, I think it's um, giving yourself ample rest. So I, I have to turn off uh, mentally as well uh, as physically uh, after a race. Uh, I basically just stop and just chill out. You know, for I might put on five kegs. Uh, but I need that ability to just switch off and go away and have, spend time just looking after me mentally and, and physically as well. So when I turn back on again, it's all there and, and I can only go for about 12 weeks on, uh, otherwise it's just too much. So holding it there at that level or just under that level for a very long time I think is very difficult to do. You think that you need to turn off and just rest, recover. Uh, recuperate um, and the same goes with your with your training it's on on two weeks on one week off and I'm just a nine to five guy you know I can't do a 10 or 10 four or anything like that it's a work week yeah and it's you have to the training has to come around a work week and you do the best to get it all in when you miss stuff you just miss stuff and that's just the way it is there's no backing up no doubles you just can't do that um, yeah, it's, it's hard when you go drinking if you get really really boozed uh, what sort of a drunk are you yeah. Friendly, aggressive. Uh, no one's going to say they're aggressive. I'm an angry drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, so I've, I've got a good reputation for drinking, um, unfortunately, <laughs> and that's probably the reason why I'm about five kilograms too heavy. Uh, I like a beer. There's, there's, there's some IPAs in the fridge at home, and they're nearly all gone. Huh? Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm a sleepy drunk, so I have three or four quick, quick drinks, uh, knocking them back, and then I'm just like chilling out, man. And then another one more, and then four in the fridge, four in me, and then it's, I just fall asleep. <laughs> just lastly, what would be success for you on the weekend? Uh, I suppose, um, uh, I think 14, 2014 was my second year here, and it hurt me. Uh, and up, when running up uh, out of the energy lab, and I lost it. I just, uh, one of those days where you can't see where you're going, and you stop, and you uh, really got to pull yourself together. And that hurt, because I was in a really good position, and was running really, really well. Uh, but blew up and went 3.45 or something on the run. So the goal is to run well uh, on Sunday and whatever that is, that meaning meaning I need to dial the bike back a bit and and just enjoy it and, and run well. And, and we, that'll be a sub 10 and then I'll be happy. Awesome. Oh, you have a great day on Saturday. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yes. Right. Keep it up. Just talking to the mic. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Testing. One, two, three. Yeah, it works well. Okay, team, we've got Mike Pizzle-Snizzle. How you going, mate? Is he's he's he's, he's okay, well, we've met you. I met you at the Camp Kiakaha, and yeah. I actually knew your face because you must have sent photos in. Or had I met you before then? Um, you, no, it was just it was on at Christchurch. That was the only time. Yeah. But uh, my wife is pretty pretty active on Facebook. You've probably seen a couple of posts on Facebook. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was funny catching you on uh, getting off the plane in Munich. Yeah. So <laughs> so the story is last year when or this year when we went to Rote. I'm in Rote, I'm going to Rote, and we're in Munich, just going to doing the transfer. And I turned around and I knew his face. And I was like, "That's my business." And then, and so I, I, we kind of looked at each other, didn't we? He's kind of yeah. like randomly yeah. kind of know each other. Oh, you come in, you join this interview, eh? Oh, John's going, John's going to join me. I thought he might just bugger off. Uh, and uh, turns out it was Mike, and we kind of caught up. I said, "I'm going to be seeing you in Hawaii." Yes, yes. So tell us, tell us. Um, Mike is the patron who won the trip to Cone of the Boys this year. What's it been like being here? Oh, it's fantastic, fantastic. This, um, it, it's just a great experience. I, I've, I've never raced here, um, so it's good to get here, uh, see the energy, see it. it, it I followed it for years and years. So every, every lead-up week to, to Kona, I'm always listening to all your podcasts and, and looking at the 
Breakfast with Bob online and things like that. And so I'm always following it. And then the timing is not great in Singapore. So it's the race starts around midnight. Um, But I even even now when you can you can you can watch it the next day. But I don't like to watch the delayed podcast, the the, the delayed coverage. So I stay up all night watching it. Wow. And so now I've got front row seat. This is great. This is great. And it's been great hanging around with you guys as you as you do all your interviews. I've kind of. He's been uh, an f- official photographer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how well that stacks up when I pull out the iPhone and the official <laughs> photographer is just using an iPhone. But uh, it's just been great listening to the interviews and, and you know, rubbing shoulders with the pros. It's nice. Um, what else have you done this week uh, outside of you know, following us around? You went uh, tell, tell us a few of the things that maybe um, some of the listeners, if they come over, should uh, investigate. Yeah, so I, I got here a little bit earlier than you guys, so I, I headed up to Volcano National Park and did a bit of cycling around there. That's a really beautiful spot. Um, and then back down here, the, the sort of regular things that everybody likes to talk about, you know, go out to the Kona, uh, the, the coffee boat, um, breakfast with Bob is interesting. There's always a lot of good interviews there. Um, and, and just the vibe, you know, just hanging Slow around. Slow Twitch Party? Slow Twitch Party was cool. He yeah, won, what, you won a phone case? No, no, uh, and, actually and Ian, Ian got, got won that one, but then he passed it to me. Oh, so. nice, nice. <laughs> and then, uh, I, but I won a pair of swimmers from Kiwi. Kiwami. Kiwami, yeah, yeah, they were nice, they were nice. Um, yeah, so I just kept winning. Yeah. <laughs> this is my lucky year. Yeah, this too, go and buy a lot of ticket. <laughs> and uh, just one recommendation I'm sure you want to give, you went diving last night. Yeah, the diving was fantastic, really, really good. We went out for two dives First dive, we saw dolphins swimming around us, which is I've I've never seen that before. That was that was exciting, and then the um, the manta ray dive at night time was really cool, really cool. I expected it to blow me away. I expected it to be interesting, but it was better. It exceeded wow. my expectations. They come really close, and and brush against your hair, and and it's really nice. It's really nice. Do you know whereabouts you went for that? That was just at the airport. So there's oh, yeah. there's a dive site. We're inside of the airport, and it's only maybe 50 metres off the airport. Mm. So tell us a little about your triathlon career. Um, I started 2008. I, I wasn't very athletic. I, I've never been very athletic, and I, I, was probably, I was pretty late in my life. Maybe that was, how old would I have been? Mid-30s. And uh, just did a sprint triathlon, and then worked up to Olympic distance, and then worked up to the same way everybody does it. Um, did a couple of Ironman, so I did uh, Challenge Roth was my first race. I did that with my wife. That was a really good experience. We trained together. We, because I'm not a super fast athlete, and, and sh- we're both at pretty similar levels, so we could do a lot of cycling together and a lot of running together, and, and that, was, that was a really good experience. Um, then we did that race. She was one and done. That was it for her, yeah. but uh, I kept going. I've, I've done a few since then. I did uh, Zurich and... Uh, Western Australia, uh, I think PB at the moment is about eleven fifty-five. When when you're doing, you know, you start with rope, <laughs> pretty high, high bar to yeah, start with. Yeah. So then, as you move around to different races, what are they all offered that's kind of made them all a little bit special? Uh, it's it's mostly the location. The race itself kind of unfolds similarly wherever you mm-hmm. go, but it's it's the location and and rope. It's the 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 crowd that stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess they've all got something special. Western Australia, it's the swim that really stood out for me. I thought Why? that was really fantastic. Just swimming around that pier. It's just the way it's, you know, when a, when a race is, it, 
if it's a point to point or if it's if there's like an objective in the race it kind of makes it a bit more interesting mm. and the the pier, the swim around the pier at, at western australia which i i've actually heard that they may not yes, be doing anymore no, which it's is just going to be along along the beach and a lot of people are Why? pretty because the sharks uh, very yeah, well that's a justified that's a reason yeah, yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Toughen up a little bit. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and um, have you got over your asshole defeat yet? Oh, back it up. <laughs> that just sounds wrong. Had a game of cards the we, other night. We introduced <laughs> a game that's called Asshole to, to on, Mike. Yeah. I didn't know where you were going with that yeah, one. That's it was only lucky you just told me your cards because I'm just That's a really bad it, question. What did I do when I was drunk the other night that I don't remember? <laughs> yeah, what, what sort of a drunk are you? <laughs> We found out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm apparently I'm an asshole drunk. <laughs> hey, so one, one thing is, you know, because you've been into the sport for a long time, but you've recently changed kind of roles in your career, and you've said that you haven't been in the sport so much just because of time factor. Yeah. Uh, a, what's that like? Because you know, when you, you know, you've obviously been doing the sport for ten years now, to pull away from it, and then B, does what does this week give you? Are you going back a bit more motivated? Like, tell us yeah, about that. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's exactly right. So I've. About two years ago, I lost my job and I was out of work for a couple of weeks. Just before you came to our camp, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I came to the um, the 10 year anniversary and I, maybe the week before I found out that I was losing my job. Um, but anyway, it took, took me a couple of months to find. I wasn't out of work for very long. It wasn't a stress of not being in work because my wife is working as well, yeah. so that's okay. But it was just going into a new role and I just pushed myself into that and thought I, I'll put the triathlon aside for a little while so yep. I can learn this role. But then once once exercise gets out of your routine, you just drop away. It's, it's hard to pick it up again. Mm. And so You've I, created a new life, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. So I kind of went for two years of inactivity. And actually, actually this pod, winning this is what's brought me back. It's, oh, really? Because I've always kind of listened to the podcast. I kept in touch with it and it kept me into the sport, but I didn't get that exercise back into it. And then when I won this... Um, it's like, oh, well, I've, I've got to be in some sort of condition in order to cycle around there. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and So that, that, was, that was really cool. That was really cool. But, but one thing I wanted to say about getting exercise, and I've, I've heard this lots of times, but I've, I've never sort of struggled with depression. I, and I've never really had depression. Even this period, when I, when I was on this job and exercise was out of my life for a little while, I did find myself really flat, like, it, it, and you don't notice it straight away. Like mm. after the months build up, you just look back on the last couple of months and you think, I, I'm just not... Something's missing. Yeah, something's yeah. missing. I, I, and it's, I really think that exercise plays a big part in that. Like oh, yeah. 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 Um, final question for me. Tell, tell the bike junkies out there a little bit about the bike that you've got sitting over there. He's got a, <laughs> got a classic bike that he's brought over so yeah. he hasn't brought over the TT bike or the, the roadie uh, I just got in here I thought what the hell um, so make sure you talk into the mic when you explain it um, but what is it yeah well I've I, for a long while I was while I was doing triathlon and I was I was really keen on the tri you're bike. an engineer as well aren't you so you're yeah. kind of yeah. mechanically minded so I um, I've gone and grabbed the bike I went the wrong way there you go <laughs> So uh, yeah, I had the carbon fiber tri bike like everybody else, but then I just got to a point where I was, I, I don't know, I just wanted to step away from the technology and step away and try and simplify things. Oh, so you race on that bike? Of, uh, I have raced on it, oh, I've, cool. but but not in an Ironman. I've done um, Olympic distance, uh, yeah. Bintan triathlon. I've done that twice on that bike, um, and it's just a steel frame Chinelli uh, bike. I built it up with. I bought all. I got onto eBay and bought all. Uh, maybe. 
it's it's Campagnolo group set. It's just the titanium set. I, I was trying to find the sweet spot between like an older sort of bike, but not too heavy. I still wanted to be able to keep up with with a couple of mates that we go out on a ride yeah, on Sundays. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's an old style bike, steel bike, um, leather seats, leather hand grips. It's it's just nice to ride, and it's nice to sort of step away from carbon fiber for a while. You you, you got a young family or, or kind of mid range family, age wise at least. Um, just how do you fit triathlon into your life with a family? Especially uh, yeah. I man, you know. Yeah, it's it's tough. Living in Singapore, you end up training just naturally training a lot either in the morning or late at night. Um, just with the weather. Yeah, yeah, with the weather. And probably what happens with me is I because I'm not much of a morning person, so I probably train a lot late at night. So that I'll get home from work and and have dinner with the kids, and then when they go off to bed, I often put on my shoes and go out for a run. Okay. Um, like I said, I haven't been, haven't been doing that for the last two years, but yeah. when I was training, that's that would be my regular thing, doing yeah. an, a night run. Wow. Yeah. A night swims as well. Cool. We'll, look for, we'll probably hear from you a little bit on race day as well. We'll shove the mic in your face so you can yeah. share some of those experiences. But uh, nice work on being here. Yeah, and, thank, and thanks for coming over. It's been really cool to hear No, you. thank you guys. Thank you guys. Yeah. For, for everybody else that's that's contributing to this, I know um, it's it's nice to, to, to see that um, the person that won the award makes the most of it. Yeah. And I really am. I really am appreciating this experience and really trying to make the most of it and, and getting out there and doing as much as I can. And lastly, uh, just anyone you want to thank? Yes. I, I, I cannot step away from this interview and not thank my beautiful wife, Jo. She's, um, she supported me through those first triathlons and, and through Roth and, and was a great training buddy during that. And then... Just several times, she sort of just said, you, you go out there and, and focus on yourself for a little while. And she did that mm-hmm. with this award, so this prize. So when, when we found out that we won, um, I said, well, look, the only way we can really justify this, it makes sense if we turn it into a family holiday. Yeah. So you, you come along and bring the kids and we'll make a good time in, uh, have a good time in Hawaii. And she goes, no, you, this is a triathlon thing. And I know you just want to geek out on triathlon. And, I know, and we're just going to be a distraction from that. And she said, you just go out by yourself and, and enjoy that, that environment the way it's supposed to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I just want to thank her for that because that, that was just a wonderful uh, gesture. And it's cool because you guys are childhood sweethearts as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We sat next to each other in history class and uh, we've been together since we were 16. Oh, yeah, wow. now I'm 45 now, so that's, that's, that's a cool lot stuff. of time, a long time. Oh, well, it's really cool to hear you've got such a good supportive partner. Joe, you're a legend. She is. You're a legend. She is. Awesome, mate. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Uh, we are back, John. So, interview time. No, we've done. Oh, we're done. Yeah, you done. You've put them all in there. Yeah, that's why we're back. Excellent. Yeah, we're, okay. we're, we're back. Uh, endurance sports travel. Yeah. Oh, you're doing sports, do you? Okay. Oh no, because we had the interview with Ken Glaren there as well. Yeah. Yeah. God, we're on top of things. <laughs> you really are sharp this morning. I know. My, I'm off my game here. You didn't so do the dishwasher. I didn't do the you dishwasher. Don't put your washing on. And I put my towel with uh, and the sand, sand on, on, on the, the bed. Just went straight to the shower. I thought you needed number twos. I did. I yeah, had a turtle yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah, turtle. Release a turtle. Release the turtle. John, what do you love about tomorrow? Um, I love seeing guys as wife. His wife. Yeah. Yes. I'm looking forward to sharing don't a lot of time with her. Uh, <laughs> I love seeing. The, and I don't love. I enjoy and get fascinated seeing people spank it up Palani Road at. You know, what, 10, 15 k's into the ride, and just oh yeah, going to the limit. Yeah. I'm like, age you group are is maxing out, idiots. Yeah. 
so that's pretty entertaining part for me. And then also going up onto the Queen K for part of the run and seeing people just starting to suffer a bit uh, and, and only get to see the pros out there. So that's all good. And always the atmosphere just before the start's pretty pumping. So those are probably the, the main things to me. And spending a day with you, Bevan, I mean, geez, what, what, what better? Scuba Linda, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. We, 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 it's a very tiring day. It's a long day. Mm. Yeah, it is a long day, but we love it. Um, we've done it a few times, so we know the tricks of trade. Like the, the swim's always awesome, and it's quite cool in the swim because you kind of hang around. If I was, you tend to know somebody close by, and you're having a bit of a yarn about the sport. Swim start goes. It's always pretty fascinating. And then going, what's that? I always forget the name of that road where we go after the swim. Uh, hot corner, the corner yeah. of Palani and uh, Kuakini. Kuakini, yeah. That's that's if you're in town, that's the spot to be. Mm. It's great atmosphere, lots of people. It, you're there for a while. You tend to stand there for a couple of hours. It's just it's just a great energy. And then you go watch the race somewhere else on and Facebook Live, so you can do that on Facebook Live. But um, and then just watching the race unfold, and then you go on the Lehi Drive when the run starts, and you can position yourself down somewhere in the shade because it gets pretty hot. Don't forget the sunblock tomorrow. Don't forget the sunblock. Yes. Uh, it's a pretty special day. The only downfall for John and I is because we've got to get the interviews. We never actually know what happens in the run. Yeah, you know, and, and other got, than the winners. Yeah, and uh, we've got to give a bit of f- a few plugs for Ironman here because, you know, you think they've got Amazon as title sponsor. It's mm. one of the. I know it's not the. You know, you've got different sort of for, for a consumer. It's one of the biggest companies oh, for well, us in the world. Well, it's the biggest company. In the, no, it's like top three company in the world, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And so they've got them, and then they partner with Facebook, which is yeah. you know. So they're doing a lot more things right, and we often put the boot into them for doing really stupid things. But so far this week, the decisions that I've been that, that I've seen have been really, really positive. Ten percent so, growth in the last year. That's mm, pretty massive. And you know, in terms of what you heard from Michael Lovato today, there's going to be six cameras out there. What what have we been asking for for Ironman coverage? We, we want to see more races. Well, they're doing that with all the Facebook Live stuff. Uh, what do we want to see tomorrow? We want to see more cameras. They're doing yep. that. Uh, so I think we're heading in the right direction. And uh, a lot of people give Andrew Messick a lot of shit every time he speaks. I'm very impressed. Yeah, with him. I, I, he seems like a smooth. We should need to get back on the show. Mm. We should go to a, a yearly annual update from Andrew because mm. he, yeah, he seems like a pretty good businessman. And mm. he, you know, he's, I think he's coming from the right place. Mm. And sometimes business decisions aren't ones that consumers like. And I get that. And that can be hard. Um, and I know someone's probably going, what about 50-50? And I kind of get that too. I totally, totally yeah. agree. Um, but fundamentally, you go into business 10 cents a year. That's, mm. that's good business, mm. especially at the size of this business. And so. as you say, I think all of them, their heart's in the right place. They've got to make the business work, but they also want to see the sport develop. Uh, and and so. that's the thing, going back to last night, this sport impacts lives mm. in, in massive, massive ways. And you kind of, even last night with the crew that we're with and just seeing Hallemans and, you know, and um, Dan Enfield, and you know, these guys are mates, and they're just mates around this thing they love, which is triathlon. And that, what a great thing to have in your life, you know, so pretty cool stuff. Now, one other little story of somebody that is out there racing in memory of one of our former listeners, um, Rob Brown, who we had as a sort of honorary age grouper of the week, uh, some stage in the last 12 months. Sadly passed away in the last oh. 12 months. Um, he, but he had a legacy slot to come over here, um, but was not able to fulfil that. His wife, is Kerry, is over here with her small son. Oh, wow. Rob was an avid listener to the to the show, and uh, and I'm 
pretty sure we met him either over here or somewhere else around the world. Uh, so we've got one of our athletes out there racing in memory of Rob. So you have a great day. Oh, yeah, and to the family just thinking of you on the big day. John, let's uh, quickly just do the sponsors. Uh, Lava Java. Uh, just eat there, it's what, beautiful. What am I going to have tonight? I reckon I'm going to go for the... Uh, You'll probably go celebrate, yeah? No, I think I'm going to go for the mushroom burger tonight. Mushroom burger? They have a burger and then they have the vegetarian op- See, option I, I, and they put a nice big juicy I portobello mushroom. I last night. Did you? Yeah, I, I went to let myself go a little bit cray-cray last night. Oh, no, I did yeah. not. So probably my good cray-cray tonight. Yeah. I'll probably go salad option. Uh, so Lava Java, um, Extreme Endurance. Your Lactic Buffer. And Endurance Sports Travel. And if you want to check them out, just go to EnduranceSportsTravel.com. Also, our patrons, thank you to all the patrons who get us here every couple of years. Hopefully you've enjoyed the work we've done over the last few days, and we've still got more work to come, but uh, it's thank you to all the patrons out there. You know who you are, you rock stars. I'm right. Oh, have a, have a great, if anybody's listening to this and they're racing tomorrow, have a great day. Control your efforts. Um, look forward to the pain. Crush it. And uh, just make sure you leave everything out there on the course. Yeah, good luck, guys. Have a wonderful time. And, and pee on yourself. Spew on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to do the third one. <laughs> Don't pee on yourself. Okay. Here we go. Let's wrap it up. I'm right. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.